Welcome, I'm Andra, and this is the How Do You Know podcast. In this show, we'll learn how to make better decisions and open up our view to everything that's possible. I interview great decision makers to discover how they built and improved their process along the years. I really hope you'll find it useful. Let's dig in. Hi, Irina. Welcome to the How Do You Know podcast. It's wonderful to have you. Hi, Andra. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I listened to a few episodes um, over the past couple of weeks, just getting to know more of your uh, podcast. And I really, really like the way you go so deep into conversations that are so much not only around marketing, but just kind of like on, around people's lives and their decision making. Um, and I'm very honored that you invited me to your show as well. So yeah, very, very pumped to be here. That's super, super nice of you to say. And I'm really glad that we get to share these personal stories um, and that we get to learn from each other in ways that we don't often write or talk about because uh, uh, we rarely find the time for it, even if we wanted to, <laughs> that being one of the issues. So I'm really glad we get to talk more about you today to learn um, about your job, about your decision to move abroad um, and other things like that. Um, I am especially excited because our, our connection is our common friend, Alexandra, who's also been my former colleague and someone I care really deeply about, um, someone um, who I'm t- I've talked to endless times about decision-making and, you know, the, the big things in life and her, her insight in psychology is tremendous. So I, I should definitely have her uh, in one of these episodes. I think that she'd, um, she'd have some interesting stories to tell us too. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, definitely. Um, I I also think that Alexandra read the internet at least twice. So <laughs> she's an endless source of fantastic jokes and memes, and uh, uh, just knows so much about. She's so passionate about psychology and about things that we can do to improve our day to day. So, yeah, I would be really excited to listen to that uh, to that episode. So please do invite her. <laughs> Awesome. That's that's decided. Uh, but now we're uh, here to talk about you. And I'm really keen to find out what you're up to these days, uh, job wise, uh, you know, personal life wise, and um, see what we can explore more about your experience uh, in Dublin and in other parts of the world as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um well, first of all, I am um, uh, for for the people who are listening uh, and just kind of dropped into this episode. I was born in Romania and I lived there for about uh, thirty years almost. And I've been working in tech marketing since I was uh, twenty years old. Um, and I've always kind of dreamed about doing international marketing which was an idea that wasn't very crystallized when I was in my early 20s, but it kind of became um, more of a thing as I was you know, more in my mid-20s. And um, uh, long story short, around when I was like 29, I think, I got an offer from HubSpot, which had been uh, you know, one of my like dream companies, the equivalent of Disney in the marketing world. <laughs> I got an offer to, to move uh, to Dublin and work in their uh, international marketing team, like, or global marketing team, if you want to call it that way. Um, so I work very closely to, with everybody in Boston doing marketing for uh, HubSpot.com. Um, at least that's how I started there, because... Um, 
uh, in the beginning, I was mostly focused on uh, just promoting one of our uh, sales-related products, HubSpot CRM. And as the company grew and, and, and my job, I became more complex. I'm now uh, in charge of HubSpot's offsite strategy. So trying to make sure that our products, our lead generation pages, our academy pages are um, mentioned, people know about them, um, either subscribe or uh just mention them in, in, in their articles. It's um, It's been uh, very, very exciting to do this for, for .com, for HubSpot.com. And uh, over the past few months, I've started um, implementing these strategies into our like more regional markets. So I'm working now with the LATAM team, with the um, uh, team that's working for the German market uh, that's on top of .com. So... <laughs> Things That's a are, lot of a lot of things are in your plate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a very busy year, but um, it's been a fantastic year, I would say, like for my career and just kind of for me personally, because I'm tapping into uh, or experimenting with some some tactics um, that haven't been something I've been particularly like working on. I've been working for the, the, the dot com, the U.S. Uh, market for quite a while now. Um, but Latam region, for example, is quite new to me. So it's just exciting to see differences to, I'm, I'm always curious about like other cultures and, um, how other countries are, are doing marketing and what are their, uh, what are the things that they're interested about and like differences. So, um, overall it's been a fantastic experience. And it's, it sounds to me, not only that you've, um, experienced all these different paths and uh, this entire evolution but also the fact that you're just keenly focused on human psychology and you're interested in what makes people uh, respond to certain stimuli because at the end of the day that is what marketing is all about and it's not about manipulation it's about understanding what our people need so we can better serve them at the end of the day and i think that not only does hubspot excel at that because it's this brand that we've all learned from and we've all followed and kind of used as a standard for performance and for quality um but it's also you know great to see that they're integrating so many diverse perspectives and experiences so I'm really curious to learn um, kind of how this offer came to be, if you applied for it, if you'd been, you know, considering moving abroad um, directly, like doing something <laughs> towards that uh, and how this whole thing happened. Because to me, it's it's super interesting and not only to me to find out how you make this kind of a decision, a big a life kind of uprooting decision and how you follow through on that. Well, to be to be quite frank with you, I've never considered uh, moving abroad before I decided to. Uh, I never really thought about. It. I always thought it was a very difficult decision. Um, maybe I never really thought about uh, a company like my dream company ever inviting me to move to a different country. Like that was a possibility that never crossed my mind. I kind of like looking at moving abroad from a perspective of, oh, I would move there and try to find a job. That for me was unheard of uh, because I thought I had a good thing going on for me in, in Romania. Um, I liked the company I was uh, I was working for. I liked the, the dynamic. I liked the idea of creating or bringing a Romanian product to an international market. Uh, so that was something that I was very passionate about at that time. Um, at the same time, 
for me, when like the opportunity came from HubSpot, I was like, okay, it's a big, it's a big leap, but it's gonna be for HubSpot. <laughs> I know it sounds a bit, uh, maybe a bit cheesy too, but I, I, I was so passionate about the, the things that I was working on, and HubSpot was such a standard for for me, like something that I was always uh, looking up. Uh, and then, like trying to learn from that the idea of like working alongside those people and being part of that tribe for me was uh, was very exciting um and i always thought about the move itself as uh, what's the worst that could happen right like and considering that uh, i didn't have uh basically children uh or like people who depend on me financially mm. i thought even if this completely flops, <laughs> uh, it's fine. I'll just, you know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll move on. I will try something new. I'll come back to Romania uh, or move to another. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think that would be uh, such a dramatic thing if nothing worked out. Fortunately, that never happened. <laughs> Things worked out very well. Um, but uh, yeah, the decision I think to move was quite simple because it came in that context. And the way I got this job was um, um, through my network, I'd say. Uh, I met someone who was working at HubSpot at that time. Um, she was one, her name is Zanam. Uh, she's now done, I think, with her MBA at MIT. So smart, wonderful person. Um, and she stayed with HubSpot until she got accepted to, to this uh, MBA at MIT, which was a fantastic opportunity and she's done amazing there as well um and uh we kind of became friends and a little bit of pen pals for for a while and uh one time i was just chatting with her and i, I was telling her that i'm looking for a change i i want something that's like more challenging but i at that time i didn't even know that hubspot has an office in dublin i just knew their boston office so i was just kind of chatting with her as a friend and she was like, oh, my God, if you're looking for a change, it's, this is the time. We have this big Dublin office that's, that's really growing right now. We don't have a lot of marketers there, but uh, I think this could be a great opportunity for you. So she recommended me. Um, and this was happening, I think, in, uh, in February of 2017 or 2016. <laughs> 2017, I guess. Um, and... Um, after that, just started chatting with some people from HubSpot. And then I think in August, I actually went through the entire recruitment process, which meant uh, a project that I needed to do, um, a campaign that I would like sort of launch and the plan for it and budget for it, and etc. And then had a bunch of interviews with, uh, um, with a VP, with a CMO, with a couple of other managers in, in the marketing space. Um, and yeah, after that, I, I got the offer. Um, I planned around it and saw whether or not this would be something I could uh, start with in Dublin. And um, I thought to myself, you know, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I left. I didn't even take all of my stuff with me at first because safety net. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Not particularly, right, I don't have to pack a lot of things, right? So <laughs> just uh, packed a few things. <laughs> That's always that. It, I think we all kind of work differently in terms of uh, the degree of certainty that we need in our lives, 
uh, the yeah. amount of risk that we're willing to take. And plus, these kind of things help kind of smooth the transition uh, for some. So I think that it's important to sometimes know your limits and know, you know, push yourself, but also give yourself some space for comfort and for self-care, because otherwise you're just going to end up depleted and burned out. And speaking about your relationship with Anna, uh, I just want to emphasize here something that I've often heard in our my conversations with uh, the other guests, but in conversations in general, which is the power of human connections, which cannot be replaced in any any way. And I think that that's sort of kind of making your own luck. Uh, and I don't mean that in a way of doing networking for just kind of um, self-centered purposes, but rather, you know, just connecting with like-minded people who share the same values and principles and these things kind of just naturally happen. Uh, when you know people you trust, you admire, whose work ethic you find um, inspiring, I think it, it's just this. This is kind of this is what it means to make your own luck and to create opportunities for yourself. And it's so awesome to see you not that not only that you've embraced this, but that you've turned this into basically a, a different life in another country, which is is one of i think one of the most interesting challenges in life to kind of meet with uh curiosity and uh optimism which you seem to have plenty of uh has it always been like this have you always been uh this this open towards um uh, you know just experiencing these dramatic shifts yeah i think yeah you know what um first of all i can't think i'll answer this question in two parts one of them is that it's great that we're having this conversation now, like almost three years after I moved, <laughs> because if you would have asked me in the first six months, I would have probably burst into tears after like five sentences. Um, it's hard. It's not. It's not a. It's not a joke. Uh, it's not a. It's not something to 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 take lightly. I think. Um, I am an optimist, and I often throw myself in situations thinking that I would deal with challenges once you know i'll get to once i once i'll, I'll uh, cross that bridge once i get to it um so i i'm optimistic about my power to um you know defeat the or uh, be able to succeed despite challenges now this is uh <laughs> present arena future Irina that actually has to face the challenges oftentimes is very <laughs> upset with the past Irina that said You'll be fine. <laughs> Just go. <laughs> so um, the, the, the Irina that was like six months into Dublin was uh, pretty upset with the Irina that made the decision to, to leave and uh, to move to a different country and like to start something new and say, you'll figure it out. Because, you know, I, had to, I was at that point where I had to figure it out. And I think what was very important for me at that time was that I decided deep down that I really, really want to uh, grit my teeth and like power through because I think this is an opportunity and I have to succeed and a lot of other people have done it. I'm not the first one. It's, it's, it's very hard. But um, uh, so I kind of like man uh, manipulated myself, if that makes any sense, into moving forward. So I just anchored myself in the reality here. So I wouldn't be always kind of having this idea that, oh, if I don't like it on Sunday, I can just take get on a plane and, and go back home. 
So I started a master's degree and invested a lot financially in it. Um, just uh, started like some program to figure out some things that are on my health that I've always kind of like postponed. Um, so I just anchored myself in, in that reality and I wasn't really able at that point to just kind of pack my bags and move back to Romania at any time, at any point. Um, which was absolutely fantastic because I did power through and like those challenges diminished and things got easier and I've got a, a very comfortable life here and now I am thinking about the six months, the Irina who was six months into the situation and I'm really happy she powered through <laughs> because now I'm having a, a really good time. I'm I'm so happy to hear that and thank you for sharing this with us. I think that it's it's important to kind of look in retrospect and see all the things that worked and the things that you know we don't consider ourselves capable of at that time and see how we grow and how we evolve to become so much stronger than we ever thought we could be especially through this very intense maturing process I think because moving abroad is one of those things um so is moving cities but that's kind of different because you're still rather close and still in your in your comfort zone in your natural environment let's call it that yeah um so i'm i'm curious if you had a, a support system of sorts that help you help you throughout this transition and I think that, you know, this this kind of, again, the human connection and how it helped you to have the type of culture, internal culture that HubSpot has and how you kind of right. managed to make friends there. Because as, as you said, you anchored yourself deeply in the reality of life in Dublin and life at, at HubSpot. So I think that that's in itself a process of kind of integrating all these new elements and building a life using them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No, you know, there there was a lot of support um, on different stages. And I think one of the, the amazing things about HubSpot is the culture. Like you can really, if, you know, things get tough, you can really rely on people. Um, and it, it's a very important part of our like day to day and like the way, especially like, the top management kind of things of things and i'm saying the top management because this kind of philosophy then flows down to to all the other levels so everybody kind of follows through that trend i remember specifically when i first got to dublin um i didn't have uh, someone here already who was able to to find the place for me to live so i was living in a uh, hotel for a while while i was looking for an apartment and um not to go into a lot of details, but the real estate market and like the rental market in Dublin is just crazy. You go through interviews <laughs> with uh, landlords and stuff like that to see if you're a good enough um, person to live in their apartment, right? And um, I remember around that time that uh, the VP of, of marketing for, for the section that I was I'm working on, um, told me, just kind of saw me leaving one day and asked me if I found an apartment. I said, oh, you know what, it's really tough, tougher than I expected, but I'm uh, I'm looking at apartments. And he was like, look, I don't even need you in the office uh, very much. Like, just focus on finding an apartment because until that's going to happen, you're not going to be able to like focus on things on day to day. So just do your thing, make sure you find that. And he just 
he there was no pressure in in the way he said it and he was just such a uh, such a rational like human thing to do and i'm sure uh, a lot of people feel the same but just like by saying it and making it you know like very clear that this is not an issue um for me it was it, it meant the world uh, yeah verbalizing that kind of things kind of changes everything because yeah you we're still not mind readers, no matter how open or perceptive we are. Exactly. So especially I think that it's it's incredibly important just to remind people and to give them this this type of assuredness that things it, it's fine if you focus on personal things, because I know you're here to do your best work. I know that you're showing up with your entire self. So we're here for you as an entire human being as well, not just as an employee. And I think that that makes the difference between companies that are able to to scale this kind of culture and to spread it and serve as a model for other people as well. Because especially for work-driven people uh, as us, this is a, a hugely important um, kind of topic and element that it just it really impacts your quality of life. And there's no doubt around that. Yeah, I really think it's such a it's such a talent um, and such a, a blessing in people to be able to see through the people you work with and see that they are already doing their best to do uh, or like they're they're doing everything that they they can to be the best at their job. Um, there's no need for like an extra pressure. What you need to do as a leader is maybe like release some of that pressure that they put on themselves. Because I think that's that's one of the things that I see a lot in myself and around me. Like we put so much pressure on ourselves. Sometimes I just need my manager to come and say, look, it's it's all right to fail. Just experiment, play around, be curious. Um, it's uh, it's good if you fail it means that you're um, trying new things. You're uh, really involved in your job. Like I don't need more pressure. I need the reassurance that I can sometimes fail. Um, and especially for a marketer and for like a space like SEO where experimentation is is everything. And uh, just playing around with with different variables can make or break a campaign that is absolutely fantastic and um yeah this is something that I, I really appreciate about my my manager that that's really awesome to hear i think that we need more of these people in our lives and uh to kind of give these people the opportunity um to shape the companies that they're in because it it's one thing to be the kind of person that cares about the others and that cares deeply and who is able to kind of turn this care into actual uh, behaviors that help others. And it's a whole other thing to actually have the freedom to express yourself this way and to, to make these decisions and act with uh, a high level of autonomy. Um, I'd be curious to, to, to know if you think that um, the internal culture uh, in the workplace is kind of influenced by Dublin's culture, uh, because I've heard uh, from previous guests, uh, from previous guests as well, from Vesita Sheva, who also lives in Dublin and she moved there from Bulgaria. I've heard so many good things about the culture there and the openness, the diversity that being one of the reasons she moved there. So I was curious if these two kind of match and if there's any kind of um, influence, because I'm I'm fairly certain that there is, but I'm curious to, to know how it works. 
Yeah, well, um, I can't speak for a lot of companies since I've been only uh, with HubSpot since uh, since I moved here. But I can tell you that with HubSpot, uh, there's a mix between like the HubSpot culture, which is I think is like a quite um, I won't say it's unique necessarily, but it's definitely uh, something that's very important for the company. Like it's something that's top of mind. Like people actively think about how to improve culture or like what does our culture gonna like look like and how does this influence our dynamic and our success. So I think uh, just because this is such an important part of HubSpot's existence, uh, this also uh, is not really something that's only in the US office. It's something that you can find as a common thing in, in our Dublin office, in our Berlin office, Sydney office, etc. There are things that are um, influenced by, I say, the Dublin environment. I don't know if it's like only about the, the Irish culture because uh, the Dublin office is so diverse, and I think it's a, it's like a little snapshot of what Dublin is right now. And I think what Dublin has been for uh, a few hundred years, I think, just a place for a lot of cultures um, to come and like work and and improve their lives. I, I think they've been. A lot of people, maybe not so much from abroad, but like coming from other parts of the country to Dublin, not native Dubliners, but you know, from Cork, Donegal, and, and all the other parts of, of, of Ireland coming here because this is such a big center of um, economics and culture and, and education and everything uh, in Ireland. So there's a lot of diversity um, that's specific to Dublin that you can also find in, in our office. And uh, there's something about like the diversity and the inclusivity, mm-hmm. just people like being like uh, enjoying being around each other uh, and like learning about uh, uh, their culture, each other's culture, and uh, collaborating and just being curious. I think about uh, everybody's background and in being inviting to. Um, to learn, you know, what they can bring to the table from their perspective, their unique perspective. That is, I think, something to really take on as a model and to kind of translate into our own context in our own day-to-day lives, wherever we are. Because this this level of diversity, I think, is one of the most inspiring things ever. And it definitely changes how you work, how you how you approach problems, how you think of solutions, um, just how you build relationships inside a company, which is what makes a company work at the end of the day, what makes a society work uh, generally. So I, I I love hearing this about Dublin and I'll definitely have to visit soon <laughs> to, to experience some of that. Yeah, I haven't been yet, but with so many just so many wonderful people that I like to meet up there <laughs> with face-to-face plus uh, hearing all these great things. It's definitely an experience that I love to have. Um, I'd be curious to go a bit back to what you said about uh, deciding to study for a master's degree there and kind of how that happened. Um, I know that it's somewhat, it's it's closely related to your job, of course, but I'm curious to see kind of how this different educational system um, changed your expectations uh, of the entire educational process? Yeah, uh, well, my master's degree uh, was with uh, what was back then called Dublin Institute of Technology. 
now it's uh, renamed, uh, uh, I think, Technology University of Ireland. I don't know. They just like they literally just rebranded. Um, so I went to like a more like a technological type of university and I've done a degree in uh, analytics. Uh, which is very closely related, not necessarily to my job, but like I think to everything that's related to marketing as we go forward. So learned a lot about uh, reporting different styles of analytics and so on. Um, and it was a year and a half master's program. It was very interesting from a lot of perspectives. Um, just for a little bit of background, I've never done a uh, course, a uh, university course or something like 100% in, in English, uh, at least to say with an Irish accent. <laughs> um, so, and I started very, very um, like soon after I moved in here and I was like very, even though I'm, you know, I, I, I work in English, I've been working in English for a long time. I was somewhat scared of that. I was wondering whether or not the academic uh, style would mm be a lot more difficult to approach. Um, it was just, I was kind of, that was something that was weirdly uh, stressing me about before I started. Uh, it was not the case, even though I think uh, they put a lot of emphasis on language and, and the way you were expressing yourself, I think they would they do it in a way that makes sense for everyone and was uh, it wasn't something to be, um, to be in any way scared of. So, if uh, for any listeners that like, if I have like a certain uh, fear around the same thing, I would say just go for it because you're gonna adapt quite easily. Like I've seen different levels of English within my class because we're half of us were were Irish, half of us were uh, from different other countries. Um, interestingly, I, I think there were like only two people from Brazil, and uh, everyone else was like one representative from <laughs> each country. Uh, it's like, Romania, Russia, Italy, etc. Uh, so they were like different levels of English, but everybody succeeded um, fairly well and like was able to adapt. One thing that I found very interesting in that course was, uh, compared to my experience with the university in Romania, was how open uh, professors were for private consultations. So if you're working on a project or taking a, a course, um, Everybody will like give you their all their contact details first of all, Phone, which is yeah kind of unheard of. <laughs> yeah, email, uh, their schedule. You can find me and like this is my office. This is my available time. Uh, or I would like Skype with some of them, even though we like live in the same city. And I know like <laughs> Skype was not invented yesterday, but <laughs> my experience back in college was like computers were not like a professor's best friend. Definitely. Um, Plus, they didn't. I think that they might have been overworked as well, but still, they were never that available. You had to chase them sometimes, literally, through the university. Yeah, I. It was. It was a lot more. Um, I think we were in. From what I remember, when I was in college, we were like hundreds of students in the same year. We were tens in my master's, so probably. This affects a lot, like how you manage your time. But um, I can tell you that this was very, very helpful. Um, and uh, you could, oh, you could discuss your grade as well. 
So if you wanted, after your exam, you want to learn more about like what you did good or bad or what you can improve upon, you can like go and speak to, to, your, uh, to your professor. Uh, or ask guidance for when you work on a project, like send a brief and then kind of discuss with them uh, where you could go and like which direction you would get that opportunity. Um, so I thought that was that was very, very good. Obviously, there were people who were like very involved and like people who were like less involved. I wouldn't always paint a perfect picture, but overall, I would say that was something that I, I found to be very, very interesting uh, and very helpful. Uh, plus, I would say that for an academic course, uh, it was very up to date. Like, I wouldn't say it was the most up to date thing I've ever, you know, like experienced, <laughs> but uh, it was definitely uh, not outdated in any way. Like, I would, I think I'm being very, very picky on some things. I say, oh, this wasn't 100% up to date. Especially uh, since you're hyper-connected to everything yeah, in the space. Kinda, yeah, exactly. I know that my perspective can somewhat somewhat be altered by the fact but where I work. So, um, But generally, I would say they were very uh, up-to-date. Plus, every course had an industry expert um, who would like, come in and talk about their work. There might be like some agency representative or agency CEO or a research company representative and they would just present their their data or um, the frameworks that they use etc so generally I would say they were very connected and they paid these people to come in so um, people were incentivized right to to kind of have it wasn't just a an invitation have a cousin mm. <laughs> Let's see. Right? or like yeah. on a volunteering basis right exactly it was um was a well well structured, well put together uh, plan. So I thought it was very useful. Yeah, I'm really happy I've I've done it. It also helped me uh, just make more connections, I think, and uh, it helped me like have a, a life outside of HubSpot at a time where my only like you know connection to to the Dublin world was HubSpot. So it was a good thing for me, like personally and professionally. I was about to mention that it sounds like you took on a lot really fast, adjusting to another country, to another city, adjusting to a new job, and then uh, also doing the master. So it, I, I know you're an overachiever. Even before I met you, I knew you were an overachiever. Alexandra told me, and I know that we kind of, birds of feather kind of <laughs> tend yeah, to flock together, yeah. so... Um, I definitely knew that. And I, I know that you have amazing results. So I'm just curious how you found time for, for yourself, uh, in, in all this throughout all these changes, because they can take a toll on you if you don't kind of have the, not necessarily native, but also educated ability to handle this kind of, of stress, because there's also a positive kind of type of stress in all of this, but there's also, it can become too much at times. So I'm curious how you handle that and what helped you throughout the process. Hmm. Well, first of all, thank you for, for the shout out. Um, overachieving can be, as we probably very well know, a uh, burden and uh, a uh, great uh, tool to have. Um, I think experience and past experience has really helped me just kind of bumping my my head into walls over time with like different situations that my 
air quotes, overachievement, you know, put me in. Uh, that really taught me a good lesson. And over time, I've kind of perfected this, uh, or like came to the realization that having a vacation from time to time is not only good, it's uh, recommended, and you come back with like fresh ideas and just some, it's not gonna affect in any way uh, your performance, your career, etc. Um, I've had, you know, before that, like, I don't want to, um, to underestimate, like, also the, the power of being sometimes an workaholics. I think some of the things that I've achieved would have been impossible if I wouldn't have been the kind of person who would say, yeah, sure, I'll spend the nights at the office per week <laughs> or travel, you know, maybe like uh, every other week for, for, for work and so on. So there are things that do pay off, but I don't think you can like actually build an entire life around that kind of um, that kind of structure. So it just it takes time. I think if you you, you can't if you're if you're used to like doing this uh, and like overworking all the time, it's going to take time to change. And uh, it's probably going to I don't know maybe like start with a weekend having weekends. If you can imagine now, I feel like this this is a different life. But I used to uh, always have a, a job and always have a side gig. <laughs> At least. That sounds familiar. <laughs> Just looking at the New Year history, I, I remembered that. Uh, that's how I became a freelancer at one time. It was just I had a lot of gigs. <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you're very familiar with this uh, style, lifestyle. But um, if I would have had, like, if there were, like, a few months when I only had my job and no side gig, I'd feel very empty. <laughs> what am I going to do with all of these uh, 7 to 10 p.m.s <laughs> that I have to uh, I would like wake up at four in the morning and work. I would like I would work weekends. I would all the time. Since I moved here, I never had a side gig. I, you know, I do other things maybe. Uh, like I work on like projects that I like pet projects for work, or like I sometimes like speak at a conference or two, uh, which requires you know like doing some some slide work and like some presentation prep, etc. But I haven't had that. I'm not saying I'm not going to have it going forward, uh, but it's been a lesson for me to like, oh my God, weekend over weekend over weekend, all mine. <laughs> Why do so you think that changed? I'm really curious because uh, is, it, is it something in the culture? Is it something in the pace of life there? Uh, or maybe it's just, is it just because the job kind of fills all your needs that you know this kind of side gig sometimes might have filled you know what it's 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 all of them in a way um because obviously i you know financially i'm more comfortable now than i was 10 years ago right at the beginning of my career so at that time um any side gig would have been wonderful to you know get more uh, budget for a vacation or like something that I wanted to improve in my wardrobe or whatever like the small things were were things that I needed to just kind of get out and work for a lot more um, so as you kind of grow older that um, part it's kind of like becoming a little less uh, you know you don't need to go 
so so far uh, beyond to uh, cover your necessities, let's say. But aside from that, I think you did point out a good thing. It's about a culture as well. I think the in, in Ireland, but at, at the same time in HubSpot as well, I think uh, being achieving a lot and being a high performer does not uh, have to be plus working overtime every day and every night. Uh, taking care of your mental health and uh, taking care of your health in general, it's something that it's uh, more, uh, that that's, that people appreciate a lot more than, you know, being uh, someone who like, oh, I always leave the office at 9 p.m. Yeah, so no, no hustle culture, and that's so good to hear. I think that that keeps us all a lot saner and a lot healthier in the long run, and obviously a lot more productive. Yeah, and I think you, you can't really achieve this kind of thing if it's not in a company culture. If, uh, um, if, the comp- if the company does not allow that kind of like lifestyle and does not support that kind of lifestyle, then you can't really uh even if you're like a hundred percent focused on uh on you know leaving at coming in at nine like even at five or you know like organizing your schedule like that yeah you're gonna be the odd one out and that there's this expectation to be always connected and i think that this is one of the biggest issues for marketers um Mm -hmm. and it also depends a lot on the company culture and kind of how you manage to keep rein it in as well, because we have this tendency to always be thinking about work and it, it becomes really difficult to disconnect because you keep, you go on Twitter and find an interesting resource and then you end up in a different place on the internet uh, and you start thinking about, oh, I could do this and this and you start connecting ideas and it just, it, it keeps your brain constantly connected to that part of your life without giving it time to rest and then come up with more creative ideas like you mentioned, it happens when you leave for a holiday or simply just disconnect and unplug from work and just let let all that information we accumulate as marketers kind of sit there and start uh, start kind of connecting and mingling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think one big change that happened once I got here was, and this was um, uh, an interesting thing that a former manager of mine like, taught me, like, we're not working in an emergency room. <laughs> So it's not uh, someone, you know, with like a, a bleeding injury coming in and you have to solve it right now because like life depends on it. We are marketers and at the end of the day, we have to admit that to ourselves that what we do, it's very important for the company, but it's not like life doesn't depend on it, right? So uh, it's smarter and for the benefit of everyone if you focus more on the things that um, will bring you to your goal rather than the things that, you know, take a lot, a lot, a lot of work, right? So always thinking about, like, how can you scale? How can you be more efficient? How can you autom- um, be bringing automation into your work? What kind of tools can you use so that you do what you need to do, but in a decent amount of time and, you know, like, have also that gives, it, uh, gives you a lot of room for, for having a life outside of work. So I think that's the the definition or the type of culture that's being embraced and applauded here. So. That's, um, again, something that I think 
we could give a lot more thought to when we're in companies or in workplaces or even when we're our own bosses like I am now and I tend to be a very bad boss for myself. <laughs> I tend to remind myself that uh, I, I, exactly like you mentioned, that I don't work in an emergency room and that I can give some some breathing space to myself, but also do that for the people around us in generally and kind of remind one another, um, remind ourselves that we have the space that we can give ourselves and we have to allow ourselves to to breathe, to relax, to kind of take things a little, maybe sometimes um, in, with a lighter mood or with a lighter attitude. That doesn't mean being superficial. It just means not being so intense and very, um, I don't know, it, it, it intensely focused until it kind of hurts. <laughs> Uh, and just, yeah, learn to, learn to relax. And I think that this is an acquired habit. It doesn't come naturally for everyone. Some people tend to be relaxed because it's kind of in their nature, but for people like myself, for example, and they have a couple of friends as well who deal with the same, it's, um, kind of relieving ourselves from these anxiety triggers takes a lot of practice, a lot of mindful Mm -hmm. practice. Um, and I was wondering if you had kind of any person in your life that uh, was a mentor or a friend who you kind of discussed these things with that maybe helped you see some some of your blind spots as well? Because I have found that this is one of the most valuable things we can have in our lives um, and, and actively kind of seek that person uh, or those people because um, it sometimes is a lot more than one. It takes a village. It takes a village. <laughs> takes a village to build a career in a, in a more uh, like better focus I think kind of person uh, yeah I do have that that circle friends and you you mentioned Alexandra she's been like, very supportive uh, and it's been someone to whom I've thrown a lot of like questions and ideas and um, things that were on my mind especially when I first uh, uh, first moved to Dublin where things were like a lot more intense um and I just I generally I would say that I have a good few friends who I'm I'm very open about like my vulnerabilities or situations um I think that's something that um for me comes naturally I don't know like how how uh, people are um kind of like go through that but when I have a problem or like not a problem per se, but like I have a challenge and I don't know exactly how to fix it. I tend to ask everybody. Like I I remember one thing, uh, and this is kind of like a taboo subject. When I first came here in the beginning, I realized I need to um, have like a safety net in terms of my my budget. Like I would have to save, and I I, I made like some calculations. Like considering that my rent was like very high. I thought, okay, my savings also, like, they can't be, like, 50 euros per month. Like, I have to save. And I've never really been great at savings. So I just I just started asking, <laughs> maybe a little ashamed to say, but everybody. So do you save? <laughs> and how do you save? And, like, what do you think about, like, how do you budget? And I would, like, find a lot of, lot of like, uh, interesting, like, tips and tricks that people would use to, to save or to budget or to plan their expenses. Uh, or I would even ask questions, uh, like, how much do you save per month? I've asked this uh, even 
maybe it sounds kind of strange. Uh, and obviously, I'm not, I'm not completely like blind or inappropriate. Like with some people, I can tell that there are some cultures where uh, being very open about certain topics is 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 very is very okay. With some other cultures, it might not be. And money is such a difficult topic always. It shouldn't yeah. be, especially in the, I found this, this is especially the case with women simply mm. because we're generally, we don't really talk about money until, well, our generation at least, until yes. later in life when we became independent and got to manage our things. But still, it's like you mentioned, it's such a taboo topic. And I think that it shouldn't be because once you, talk about it there's all this pressure of you know we have this idea that we're not making enough or we're you know underpaid or whatever it can be there are all these stereotypes around it so I think that it's so good that you talked about it and that you told us this because I think that just asking asking people is underrated yes (laughs) very underrated especially if you're an introvert Yeah, and I don't think there's like a, a specialist, uh, especially when it comes to like life issues, there's no one solution. Like you have to build a solution that is right for you and no one can serve you that idea. You just have to be curious and be out there. And obviously uh, in that conversation about like money that I would have with people, and I'm giving this particular example because as you said, especially for women, this is such a taboo subject and it's never been something... Um, that I learn at home how mm. to how to manage uh, money maybe because of the same aspect of like this being somewhat of a taboo or when of of us from a sense of like overprotection as children uh, which from my mom's perspective I think it you know I'm still <laughs> her baby same I think we'll never get out of that. <laughs> They were thinking that, oh, they're, they're protecting us by not uh, allowing us to, like, know, you know how much money they bring into the household, how do they, um, you know, what, how much does this cost or that or this, just kind of, you know, let the child, you know, enjoy their ch- childhood. And I enjoyed my childhood until I was, uh, you know, 30. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, my God, but how, how do I how do I tackle this? And like, you kind of became obsessed for a while about this idea of saving and how do you save and how do you, you know, like really save and make this a project. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, this was a, this is a, the kind of like the best way to tackle any kind of topic in your life. And you don't have to always depend on the same people to just get their opinion don't become dependent on one person's opinion, but more become dependent on your framework of finding solutions. Hmm. I that's something I was I wanted to lead towards because uh, I was curious how you turn kind of all this feedback and input from other people into something that's your own, into your mm-hmm. own uh, strategy, into your own decisions, because that's that's a big thing because especially now with social media and all these influences mm. that we're also creating as marketers and we're fully aware of that, I think that it becomes so important to cultivate your critical thinking and your ability to make your own decisions. Um, and I think that this will become an increasingly valuable skill as these influences become even more powerful in our lives. So I was curious how you deal with that. Um I t- this very good question. Um, I tend to uh, maybe it's uh, it's something that I kind of 
grew with the idea that I, I can find a solution and I'm just kind of confident in my decision making process. I'm not confident in all the aspects of my life. Like this is something that I'm probably um, still working on improving and it's probably also like a cultural thing that I'm trying to 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 mend about myself. But generally I have confidence in my uh, ability to to make a decision that is good for me in the end but i don't um and i don't only follow one opinion unless for some particular reason that opinion is a hundred percent um in line with what i think but i tend to kind of double check or triple check um solutions just to kind of I, i'm just curious about like different perspectives i guess I think that curiosity is one of those key ingredients that I found that is common in everyone's behavior who I talked to so far. And I think that that makes it, it's it's very interesting to see how different people think about their decisions, about the big life changes that they make or that happen to them and how they react to them. Yeah. Um, every style is unique, but there are these common traits and curiosity is certainly one of the strongest of them uh, because it comes um, kind of packed uh, into other things um, such as optimism, such as openness, and they kind of all connect and support each other. It's like one of those mental habits. There's this uh, theory in creating habits and kind of adopting new healthy habits in your life that you have six core habits. And if you manage to acquire one of them, such as eating healthy or doing yeah. sports constantly, the others will kind of build on top of that. And I think that curiosity is kind of this mental habit that it attracts naturally other healthy mental habits that in the long term cultivate not only uh, a very healthy mindset, uh, but also one that kind of inspires the people um, around you. And I, I see you doing that. You you inspire me, you inspire Alexandra, and I'm sure that there are plenty more people that, you know, look up to you, to your example. And this is one of the reasons we're talking today, because I'd like to um, give others a chance to learn from your experience as well, especially because you seem so very grounded in what you do, very grounded in your perspective on life. And um, it's clear that you know yourself very well. So um, I guess my question here would be how you got to, if you did this intentionally, if you kind of used any tools or books or resources, ideas, and so on to kind of cultivate the self-awareness um, in the way that brought you here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, um, I think I've always been uh, aware of some things about myself, and then some things you just uh, find out in relationship with others. Like I don't think you can uh, truly know yourself just by being, uh, by by cultivating introspection. Like some things. <laughs> I was just, and I'm laughing because I'm going to give you an example that's absolutely hilarious. Some things you only discover them through others. Like in my case, and I am, I'm going to share this because I think if you ever see me doing that, you will know uh, what it's about. I tend to have a very angry face when I, when I look at my phone or I look at my computer. Um, I call it. <laughs> I do the same. <laughs> My my boyfriend's always like, what? And I'm like, 
what's going on? And he's like, you you look so upset. And I might be chatting to with Alexandra and having the best time of my life. <laughs> but my face, and I think part of, and I've been thinking about this for so long because it's such a, uh, such an interesting thing, and I, I know that I'm not the only one because I've uh, traveled by subway in Bucharest, and I know we all have that face. <laughs> yes, that is a hundred percent true. <laughs> we 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 do that, and it's part cultural, and it's part. Um, I grew up with, and I'm hope I'm translating this the right way. I grew up with a saying that you shouldn't uh, smile without a reason, because mm. people think you're stupid. Right, so you don't, for no reason, <laughs> you're taking a photo for your passport or walking down the street, there is no smirk. <laughs> there is no, like, a hint of a smile because you want to be a genius, but you definitely don't want to be labeled as stupid. So you look very sad or angry. <laughs> that is so true. I've never, literally never thought of it this way, but your observation is so on point. I think that, yeah, that layer of defensiveness that comes with this simply because we associate being professional with being extremely serious. <laughs> yes. And there's also like when when I realized this about myself after about a hundred times being asked what's going on, <laughs> which I've always thought it was the other person's problem for not being able to <laughs> to read me the right way. I remembered I was listening to an episode on invisibility. It's a really good podcast. I really recommend it. And um, they were talking about the launch a, of McDonald's in Russia. And um, they were interviewing like some of the first employees. And they were talking about how McDonald's brought in the, not only like the products, but the McDonald's culture. When you like, you know, greet the person that wants to buy a burger and you smile and you wish them a good day. And everybody they were trying to, to hire, they were like, no, <laughs> no smile. <laughs> so, and the, one of the people that they were interviewing was um, a Russian fellow uh, who ultimately moved to, to the U.S. Um, and he was uh, trying to explain how in Russia, smiles are for friends and family. Which is nice because, and I think that's also a thing we have in our Romanian culture, because I know if someone smiles at me, they must have some warm, fuzzy feelings for me, which is not con very true. It just it can be a form of politeness, but I did not grow up with that. I, a smile means fuzzy feeling. So I don't smile for no reason. Yeah, we just, we decode things culturally very differently. I remember being kind of surprised about the same thing when I traveled to the US and I was extremely kind of dumbfounded by the fact that everyone was smiling and you keep thinking because of our cultural background they must want something from me or they must be thinking something about me or it's just <laughs> something that doesn't feel natural and yeah. yeah culture has such a big impact on us at work at home at everywhere just and I think that living abroad like you do um, is really one of those incredibly intense and rich experiences that helps you learn so much about yourself simply because, like you mentioned, you have a chance to see the differences, uh, good or bad, between yeah. your acquired behavior and others. Yeah, so you, you, you have to, like, I find it so valuable 
um, it's and it's not only about like you see uh, how I kind of like move this from like my face to Russia to the culture to what I've experienced. I think some things that we, we notice about ourselves, like we have to think about them as like patterns that we can see in others as well. Because even though we're unique genetically, we're we're so similar uh, and and so. Uh, grounded in the culture that we grow up in and we can learn so much about everybody else by learning something about ourselves like um, I try to like you know maybe not generalize but once I, I learn something about me I try to see like how does the same thing maybe affected uh, my friend's life and, and, and so on um, and another another thing very interesting that I, I've discovered about myself when I moved in, uh, I discovered that for me, connection with like strangers is very important. When I was living in Bucharest, I'd find it at some point very tiring to like speak about my entire life with every taxi driver and like hearing their life story back. But then I moved here and this kind of connection is not so embraced all the time. Like you have to like play your cards right, otherwise it's a bit of inappropriate. But I, I suffered from the lack of it. And I didn't understand also the culture in the beginning. Like there's there's a saying in here in Ireland, like when people greet you, they they, they go like, oh, how's it going? But nobody expects an answer. While I thought they were really asking me, how's it going? I would, I would just say, ah, oh, funny that you ask because uh, this and that. And like in the middle of my sentence, I, I could observe that awkwardness in them and then they would just leave <laughs> it was it was just for me it was unbelievable it's like you asked me how's it going <laughs> why are you being I, rude <laughs> why are you leaving? but it took a while to understand that and to understand not necessarily like oh this is something very irish i'd say but also understanding my need for for connecting randomly with uh with people about their day and um, and, uh, I, I found some of those people, <laughs> they're, they're selling coffee at a coffee shop nearby, um, or, um, I meet them on the bus, etc. Like you have to like understand sometimes that there are things that are really important to you. They may be like the smallest things. Um, but there's not only one thing that, uh, that can help you solve that or that can be beneficial for, for that part of you, that longing that you have. You can find different ways uh, to soothe that longing, I guess. That is so true. Uh, I, I love this idea. And um, I think that you've articulated so well in this entire kind of the practice of cultivating self-awareness in a way that's it's healthy and it helps us thrive and it helps us kind of find peace and find those things that fill us with energy because we expend so much energy on everything else that we need to know where our sources are so we can kind of recharge um, and keep investing and keep building the things that we want to build. Yeah. And I think one of the, uh, the thing that kind of, changed my life one of the like the most important things that I learned about myself um that has been with me for years and years was the awareness that I'm like sometimes I find things very hard and I need a carrot to follow 
I really need a carrot and I and I've started like creating carrots for myself in different areas of, of life uh, because that is how I I move forward in anticipation of the wonderful carrot that I'm gonna have at the end of the week uh, and that's why that's why I plan vacations I don't think I, I like the vacation as much as I like the anticipation of the vacation um, and just kind of like putting a milestone here and there. Uh, I read this book one time from Dan Ariely, uh, Predictably Rational. And he was telling how he had third uh, degrees burns on his body. And in order to heal, he needed to get an injection every day. And it was very painful and it was very hard and he didn't want to go through that. So he would um, associate that moment with something that he liked, like watching movies. So he would every day or every couple of weeks, I don't remember exactly the timing, but he would like rent a movie that he really wanted to see. And he would promise himself he would only do it, he would only watch it while getting the injection. So the anticipation helped go through that kind of painful part. So um, this is kind of like how a lot of things in my life happen that are not necessarily comfortable that take a lot of time, that are hard, that are true challenges in, in life. Just like put a carrot somewhere there in front of me and I try to follow that. And that's that's how I function. And it's incredibly important to understand these kind of psychological triggers and how they work for, for all of us because we can certainly kind of use that neuroplasticity in our favor and teach our brain to go through the rough bits to get to that point where we know we'll be rewarded, even if the journey itself is usually a lot more valuable and important and rewarding uh, than the actual reward at, at the end of the day. Um, and plenty of uh, kind of neuropsychological studies have shown this, that, that it's this drive that we crave progress and that we crave evolution as human beings. And that that is kind of one of the most powerful drivers in us. Um, and Again, thank you so much for sharing so many personal examples with in, in such an articulate way that I'm sure it's going to help a lot, a lot of people better understand themselves and maybe look at some bits and pieces of their behavior and of their mental habits that they haven't considered before. Um, and I know we, I, we didn't expressly talk about decision making so much, but I think that every bit of our discussion ties into what can become a, a healthy way of making decisions for yourself, especially when it comes to the big stuff in our lives. Um, I'm really looking forward to see what you do next and what happens ne next in your life. And I'd, I'd love to kind of have this conversation again, maybe in a few years. Um, I, I'd love to kind of do follow-ups for, for the, all these conversations I've had, because I feel that you're just the kind of people that learn so, so much so fast um, that I'm sure we're going to have, um, always going to have interesting and valuable topics to talk about. So thank you for sharing everything. Well, thank you once again for, for being so thoughtful and for inviting me and having this this wonderful conversation and just having the curiosity to, to meet me. I feel very, um, very honored and very pleased to have met you and Yes, let's do the follow-up in a few years, but let's keep the conversation going in, in the meantime, because there's so many things uh, I'd still love to share with you and learn about you. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, thank you for saying this. It was wonderful to have you, Irina. I can't wait to share this episode so everyone hears it. Um, so here's to continuing this conversation. <laughs> Yay, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you again. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. You can find links to all the resources we mentioned in the show notes. If you have feedback, please share it in a review on iTunes or any other podcast app you're using. I want to understand how to make the show better and more useful for everyone involved. You can always reach me on my blog or on Twitter. You can also subscribe to the weekly email I send. It comes packed with great resources focused on, what else, decision-making. Don't be a stranger and thanks again for listening.